Good morning, Matt Waldman. You look super spry. I feel like you're probably ahead on work, but yet maybe not. Maybe not. I'm I'm you know, I'm I think I'm on schedule. We'll find out soon enough, but uh the RSP is gonna I'm gonna start writing the chapters in about four days. I'm glad I have an extra day this year. Um I am very thankful for leap year more than anybody, I think. <laughs> um but you know, making my way through we've got about a hundred and thirty six players watched. Um and I'd usually go for at least 150, so I'll get there eventually. And uh, you can get the rookie scouting portfolio at mattwaldman.com. Um, and you can also get the projections and rankings for Dynasty. It's a separate product. You can get that there too. Um, you can learn more at mattwaldmanrsp.com if you want to just see more about what the RSP is about. But I think you know by now if you're tuning into this. And if, if you don't know by now, I don't know what's the matter if you get on the program. And uh, I've been there for many, many years. And uh, it's a joyous thing as I try to catch up with the huge knowledge gap I'm left with uh, from watching NFL instead of college football. I know they play on different days, but I'm still busy, people. Give me a break. Right. You know what I'm doing right now, Matt? What you know are what I'm you? doing right now? I'm doing, I'm, I'm like uh, watching all my best ball drafts and I'm fixing to make a pick here. Um, so I guess that's the thing. I wrote about it in my fantasy notebook this week. I was trying to convince people the best way to get up to speed on drafts is to start drafting early and often. February. Feeling or fuck it as, uh, as the right time to start drafting. Oh, I'm totally feeling it if I could do it. <laughs> but, but that's why, you know, that's why we work well together because right. you can do that for me so that I know where all this stuff is, where, what all is taking place at this point because I got to catch up in May. <laughs> Um, but I think it's a totally great thing to, to do for the reasons you've talked about on the show a lot, which is, you know, being aware of how everything's shifting, how people are taking chances, where people are excited about players, where people are not excited about players, and just building those layers of knowledge so it's you're not thinking about it. It's kind of secondhand knowledge at this point, and now you're just thinking broader strategies right, as opposed to um, examining all the little leaves on the trees. Right. You get a better feel for what we're thinking now versus what we're thinking then and then and then. Incrementally over time, uh, watch the evolution. I think it's always interesting to me. The most interesting thing is how we come out of the season with all these lessons learned, and you can see them being applied, like literally right in front of your eyes, people making the kind of moves you would expect based on the outcomes of the season and then as the next season draws nearer, watching as we all crawl back into our defensive cocoons of comfort that we've lived in for since 1986. Yeah. In my case, I'm still like, gotta have a running back right now, don't I? Right? <laughs> so, so like those lessons, watching as those lessons get forgotten, but a lot of things going on we'll talk about here. But but yes, I am in the best ball rooms. Come join me on Underdog. Best Ball 10s is open as well, people. Uh, I'm going on vacation for a week, but after that, I'll be starting two, probably two drafts a week on my Sirius XM show on Saturdays. So dial sure up to that. We give, give out a password and come draft with us and, and start setting your baselines and figuring your things out, man. We got a, we got a lot of time to kill and uh, no better way to kill it. You never know what kind of values you're going to get on players. Uh, one player I feel like is like a pretty good value right now based on the uncertainty. And I wonder how uncertain we should be. Uh, Justin Fields. We know the uncertainty. We don't know where he's going to be playing. But to you, does it matter enough to knock him out of the, the fantasy top 10? Is he a locked-in fantasy top 10 no matter the destination? Um, I think so. But I think a lot of people will not. 
And I will be drafting Justin Fields probably as my number one quarterback in a lot of drafts because of the value I'm going to get for him and who I feel okay about taking a chance on in the, in the mid to late rounds after him. You know, after round 12, there's probably going to be some players I really don't mind taking a shot on and pairing with Justin Fields. I could imagine pairing Justin Fields with Anthony Richardson and feeling like that I might have two of the top five quarterbacks by the end of the year. It, you know, obviously Richardson's more of a stretch at this point, but we know what we saw in glimpses, you know, as a rookie before he got hurt. And if that plays out, you may have two guys who are not leaders in passing yardage, but are in the, that Jalen Hurts-like category of being able to score at a high rate. So, yeah, I believe it because whatever team's going to take him is pro- understands that he's not a finished product. They understand that what he can bring to an offense and they're going to, if they're, if they're even like halfway smart, they're going to figure out what to do about that offense to make it work. And so I think that um, really the teams that are going to go for him probably have new coaching staffs and they're they're already looking into how they can create for him. <clears throat> yeah, I think the teams that we've talked about it, the teams obviously Atlanta first and foremost, although Kirk Cousins got the video out this morning of him working out, moving well as he dropped back to pass and made some throws and Clearly, with the scouting combine coming, a lot of these discussions begin at the scouting combine. Uh, and there will be discussions, trust on Fields, but Atlanta has been mentioned as a possible destination also for Cousins as well as Fields. So, And probably all these teams that are looking at quarterbacks would be uh, looking at Cousins as well. I'm hoping Minnesota looks more closely at Cousins and because they've already seen him and they know that Justin Jefferson would like to play with him. But but I'm with you. I think, you know, and the Raiders, by the way, Luke Getze moves, is, takes over as the offensive coordinator there his role last year in Chicago. I talked to Hub Arkush from Pro Football Weekly on Saturday, uh, who covers that team on a daily basis, a great veteran reporter. Um, Just couldn't say enough good things about Fields, Um, you know, the person, right? Like, couldn't say enough good things. Like, just like an upstanding young man, smart, uh, you know, really thoughtful and about goes about handling his business well. Uh, His only question was, you know, we have not yet seen the proof that he is an elite passer. Um, and so, you know, I think teams, are, when you've got that kind of athleticism, I think it would be enough for me to hang my hat on, especially if I was the Falcons and I'd been gone through a season with Desmond Ritter and, and Taylor Heineke as my single callers, or in Las Vegas where Aiden O'Connell is the primary guy there. So I'm with you. I'm still drafting him as a top 10. There are guys that I can get later I feel perfectly comfortable with, whether it's Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, the aforementioned Kirk Cousins a whole slew of players that I think if you're taking a chance early, like on an Anthony Richardson, you can get as well. Uh, also, Hub mentioned, Matt, you know, I just kind of asked him what he thought about Khalil Herbert, who he reminded us was super good in yards per carry last year, but also had trouble staying on the field. But Roshan Johnson going well ahead of him in the early underdog drafts. He's a running back 35. Khalil Herbert's 44. Uh, feeling Roshan at 35, first and foremost. Um, I'm running fe- back 35. I'm feeling... <laughs> I'm feeling the idea of Roshan Johnson at 35 as his peak production. Um, I'm feeling Khalil Herbert a lot more as the value to take right now in these drafts because he's a smarter runner. Um, He is a more explosive runner. And I I think that you're going to see more of a timeshare in this scenario because 
as much as they like Roshan Johnson's ability to break tackles and his pass catching ability, Herbert isn't at people deadpan Herbert as a bad receiver, um, but he's not as he's he's better than people think. I don't even want to say he's not as bad as people think because that makes it sound yes. like he that gives credit to what they're saying, and I don't think it val it should be validated at all. I think he's a pretty good. He's not he's not Austin Eckler, but no, most of the, re- the running backs aren't, and even the ones that have a glimpse of that aren't used that way. He's a screen pass, check down, leak down type of option, and that's good enough. You know, Rashawn Johnson, whatever he can offer as a receiver, that's great. But you're going to see that maybe once a week or once every other week, and you're going to see it on ESPN so many times or whatever YouTube highlights you watch that you'll go, okay, that's. He must have done that at least three dozen times during the season when it's the same play over on loop. So, I mean, to, to me, they're, they're a, a tandem where if you could take, if I could get them maybe two rounds lower a piece, I would feel right. happy about that. And I think that will probably happen because we won't know who the Bears will have at quarterback until this fall. Because it's going to be a rookie, people are going to downplay the running game a little bit. Or it'll be a little more variable because some will go, well, they're going to have to run more. But then you're like, smarter people will say, are they going to run as efficiently with the quarterback that's got to prove what they're doing? So to, to me, this is a tandem that will likely drop that I'll monitor and I'll take the Herbert side more often than the Roshan Johnson side. Just an interesting aside here. Uh, Hub talked about the quarterback. You know, we asked him to speculate a little bit. And, and as a Michigan alum, Hub thought, J.J. McCarthy would be a great fit in this incoming McVay-style offense that Shane Waldron's bringing. They could get him much later than Caleb Williams. Still, you know, trade down, get a, a boatload of stuff for Fields. Just in, or maybe even keep Fields and add J.J. McCarthy so later on. But seems like his stock is rising every time someone opens their mouth about him. Uh, well, just McCarthy, I mean, I know we've touched on him a little bit, but go ahead and reiterate your stance. Yeah, I would say right now, I mean... He's in that tier of players where I'm still, and I'll be watching him again, you know, earlier next month, where I feel like his decision-making, is it an accident or is it intentional, some of the top plays that he makes that people are calling out? And I would argue that it's a little cloudy at this point, so I'm going to get a little more clarity. I know that I think teams probably feel that way too based on the polarization that we're seeing out there. Don't you feel like teams see him as like good Brock Purdy or something like, you know, like a guy that maybe ha- like I think everyone since last year has been chasing a Brock Purdy type player, right? Yeah. And that you know like oh, who I can who can I get really late that's going to be way better. But now they're saying, oh, here's a guy that might actually be good, but kind of is like Brock Purdy in you know in in reverse, right? Like yeah. he's already better than we than we think he should be. So just interesting. All this started because. Because Jim Harbaugh said great things about him. What is Jim Harbaugh going to say about his quarterback? Exactly. And and I was asked by someone, I was asked by someone who knows quarterbacks really well connected to the league. And they asked me, is J.J., they haven't watched, they hadn't watched him yet at the time. They said, is J.J. Um, McCarthy, Zach Wilson 2.0? Um, <laughs> and my answer at that point was, Yes, in the sense if you're saying a better iteration of what we saw from Zach Wilson, but maybe also that the public is also like 2.0 or like 1.0. They're going um, nuts over a player that maybe isn't quite as good as people are making him out to be. Um, 
I I think that he right now, if I were to bet, I, I I think that he has potential to be a starter just in the way that Wilson does, but needs a little more work, but doesn't have as many blind spots. Um, but the blind spots he has are still enough to to feel like that the price is getting driven up. By the way, kudos to Woody Johnson for saying what we all realized that we didn't have a backup last year. <laughs> what a harsh assessment. Uh, yeah. Gotta feel good if you're Zach somewhere. Uh, people, you know, look, let's go to a story. It's kind of a personal thing for me. AJ Brown uh, called WIP in Philadelphia, local talk radio, sports talk radio, uh, to refute the rumors that, you know, that there's trouble brewing in the locker room. And he stated explicitly he wants to remain with the Eagles. Are you feeling uh, or fucking being worried at all that he felt compelled to address it? Um, I'm worried about the Eagles if he felt compelled to address it only from the standpoint that, that the, maybe the, you know, I feel like the Eagles are that club that the media either loves one year and hates the next. And that they're, they're like, like they pan their decisions one, one, one year. And the next year they're lauding them as geniuses. And I think they're probably just an inconsistent leadership organization somewhere in between. Um, so I don't feel bad about AJ Brown doing what he had to do. I think AJ Brown is smart enough to go. I know that I know my organization and maybe I'm worried that if I don't call and refute this and don't say something publicly that they're going to do something flaky. Um, and, <laughs> and so I'm more worried about the Eagles and I'm worried about AJ Brown. I, I'm totally, I hate that he had to do it, but I'm okay with it. So I almost feel like this was a personal thing for him because this is something I have a little bit of an ax to grind. We totally ignore when people say things that we don't want to believe. And I get it. You know, we've heard enough. We, I'm as jaded as anybody. Trust me out there, people. Maybe even more, you'll be surprised to learn. Um, and so when, but, but like when I heard Bill Belichick say, I don't need to be in charge of personnel to be the coach. I mean, he said it. You can say, well, I don't know that I believe him, but he absolutely said it. A.J. Brown told us, like, as the season was ending, hey, there's nothing going on in the locker room. We need to execute better. We're not mad at the coaches. Everyone's on the same page. We just need to play better. He said it. Now, you can say, well, he's just, like, putting out the good story. But I think sometimes these people just want to be heard, and I feel like this call was more like a, I already fucking said this, people. You know, and he just wants to, you know, would like people to pay attention to him. I think in this case, like you've heard so many things about the Eagles, like the Dom DeSandro's absence being a big problem and that, that Nick Sirianni doesn't behave himself unless the security guy's there. I don't know. I mean, is that any more believable than anything else? Um, just really weird story. We'll be watching. Yeah. I am super excited. They have a new offensive coordinator named Kellen Moore uh, because he's had some pretty decent success, at least in terms of, of the things A.J. Brown would like. Yeah. Right? Like a little and, more depth at target, a little more pushing the ball down the field. So we'll see. And he's a very much nice, nicer, kinder version of T.O., if you ask me. Like, I think so, too. Uh, you know, yeah. he's T.O. Was, was immature. He had a lot of baggage coming into the league that um, he had to straighten out with his For life. Sure. You, you know, unbelievable talent. A.J. Brown's an unbelievable talent, very much built like T.O., but with more versatility, if you ask me, inside and outside. And he's a vocal leader. I think, you know, and maybe some people question the leader part, but he's he's a vocal teammate at the very least. But I don't think he's inappropriate any more than maybe 
you know, Trav, you know, Travis Kelsey is. Travis Kelsey was a little more inappropriate, and I thought AJ Brown had a point. He's like, if I was at the Super Bowl, I you know, yelling at it, got getting into Andy Reid's face, imagine the vitriol that would have come my way. And you know, and I think that's part of this this story, right? I yeah. mean, he he wants to be heard, and he wants to be viewed uh, the way he sees himself more than the way we want to project our own feelings on him. And I think that's the case, and that's all about yeah. this call. Look, you're still going to have to spend a first-round draft pick on A.J. Brown if you're drafting right now in early best balls, and I have spent that, and I feel really good about I mean, it. I'd it pay happens. that, fuck yes, right. I'd pay that premium all day long. And right. anybody who wants to take T. Higgins and say he would be, <clears throat> he would replace A.J. Brown, fuck that right now. I love T. So, T. Higgins, to, but no. To, well, we'll talk about T. Yeah. Higgins. Don't forget, to answer my own question on Brown, though, fuck being worried. Yeah. At all that he felt compelled to address it. I think this is a deeper issue yeah. beyond just the football. It's like, hey, I already said this, man. Yeah. What the hell? Why don't you listen to me? Yeah. T. Higgins, franchise. Uh, the official word came out shortly before we started recording this. The news came out last week. Um, $21.86 million guaranteed. It's, he won't sign it. He'll wait. And they'll negotiate that until July 15th to get a long-term deal. Um, do you feel him as a you feel him as a value right now? He's a wide receiver 27. Yeah, I would feel him as a value there. I mean, I don't. If if you told me he was wide receiver twelve, I'd say no, hell Too no, aggressive. I'm not doing that. But you know, anywhere after anything after wide receiver fifteen to me is probably is a good reason to get him. And anything beyond wide receiver twenty is a value. Yeah, two 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 seasons, uh, you know, where the band was all together or mostly all together. Uh, he was wide receiver 17. Higgins, Chase, Burrow all playing mostly together. Uh, so uh, I'm with you there. I think I, I do think like early on, like was it two years ago, people were being reg- way aggressive. He was like, you know, we were projecting basically two wide receiver one level caliber type players. I, I think he's not that, but he's certainly a, a locked in wide receiver two with some upside. I, you know, we talked about this last week. You know, is 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 this, I feel like this is the best spot for him. I mean, I, let me ask it like this. Feeling T. Higgins is a wide receiver one on any other team? No. Um, yes, by default, if it's a really bad team. Right. But no, not in not in design. And that's where wide receiver evaluation can get really wonky, especially as you're going to see this on you know, social media with the NFL draft, is that this is such a deep class. It's such a great class. And when I talk to people who actually scout the game, who've actually scouted, their responses are, you know, there's not a lot of wide receiver ones that I would call a wide receiver one in this class. And I think that fantasy people mistake that. They look at production so much that they don't think of function. And so T. Higgins is a very good starting wide receiver. But there's a there's night and day difference between T. Higgins and Jamar Chase in terms of skills, concepts, athletic ability, um, versatility in terms of what you can do. And so trying to plug T. Higgins into that role is mm-hmm. not ideal. I think he could subsist on volume and do it for you, but the team will be looking for a Jamar Chase-like knockoff because you're not going to find another one like him. Yeah, I think back over the years of the, you know, the who was like, I think the like a big free agent, one of the early big free agent wide receiver moves was Alvin Harper going from Dallas to yeah. Tampa Bay. And I mean, you know, this, he was very productive 
as the wide receiver two in Dallas and uh, and never was as the wide receiver one for the yeah. Buccaneers. But also the Buccaneers, not a fantastic no. team. So there was Peerless there Price going to Atlanta. Just, right. Is a, yeah. right. These are always the situations to me, you know, like I get it. The, the players rise up and they're super productive. And a lot of it is their own talent and their own ability. Also, some of it is the people around them and the scheme they play in and, and all the things. So even though the grass looks way greener on the other side of that fence, Sometimes it turns brown and withers. That's all I'm saying. Joe Burrow, currently quarterback seven and under our best balls. Too high, too low, just right. You Goldilocks on this one? What up? Yeah, I'm totally Goldilocks on this one. I think that, you know, we know he has potential to be top three. We know that he, as a player, he's a top three skilled player when healthy. Um, and anything past the top five for, uh, you know, below QB5 is to me, a comfortable place to take him. And, you know, QB7, it's a slight value, I would argue, but I'll say it's just right because most people are looking for that <laughs> just right. Like, just right to them is slightly below the premium you'd pay. I have, a, I have a theory here as well. Let me throw this. Let me test this on you. All right. I feel like if I'm drafting, a, if I'm in a dynasty startup that's drafting right now, <clears throat> this week, I'm taking Jamar Chase ever so slightly ahead of Justin Jefferson because of the certainty at quarterback he has going forward. I'm assuming he's going to get a new deal done. And by the way, T. Higgins, getting franchised is the best thing that ever happened to you because there's going to be a total reset of the wide receiver market when Jefferson and Chase get their new deals at some point this summer, likely. So, um, but but do you see it that way? Or are you less – is there enough separation between the two that there – or that, that you would just say, hey, Justin Jefferson's hands down a better player. I'm going with him. Or – I like the quarterback situation a little better for Jamar Chase. I love Justin Jefferson. I've always loved Justin Jefferson's game since LSU. I would argue that Jamar Chase is, if you're going to judge it on everything across the board, is slightly better than Justin Jefferson as a wide receiver, um, even though maybe some metrics will tell you different arguments. They're both up there. They're both 1-2 to me, and I don't really care who people pick. Um, in terms of who's the better player, but I would take I would also take Justin Jefferson for I mean excuse me Jamar Chase for the exact reason you mentioned, which is that you know you, the certainty with Joe Burrow, the certainty with what you're getting with T Higgins, um, you know the continuity of this offense is just a little bit better. And I wouldn't obviously if someone got Jamar Chase ahead of me, I would run to the podium to take you know Justin Jefferson right now. So it's not. You know, it's not that far apart, but yes, Chase has the advantage for me. Yeah, I want to say, I mean, you know, you know, my concerns about the quarterback notwithstanding, when he was healthy, when he was healthy last year, he made guys like Nick Mullins look pretty serviceable, Justin Jefferson. So he did. Uh, not, not that you know, not that it's, but I, I do think when you're at that high a level and you're sitting there, you know, just trying to fuss over this decision to make a right call. I think it's a little easier for me just given the the quarterback situation. That's certainty. I like it's, the certainty, Matt It's Waltman. like picking Bob Harris or Matt Waltman. Which one are you going to yeah. go with? I don't think it really matters at this point. <clears throat> My quarterback is not very good. Uh, feeling or fucking the possibility by that poor showings by Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, and maybe even Travis Kelsey. I know, poor showing. It's a relative thing, people. Uh, might have more to do with injuries than, than their skill levels. Totally feeling that. Absolutely feeling that because, you know, as Brandon Angelo and I have talked about on our Going Deep podcast every other Wednesday night, especially with Tony Pollard, 
we, we mentioned the theme with Tony Pollard that's broader to all players, including the two you just mentioned, is that just because a guy's healthy enough to see the field in the NFL doesn't mean that he's healthy enough to be the version of the player that we remember him to be at his best. And Tony Pollard absolutely showed that. Now, some of it, people may worry that it has to do with workload. I certainly had some concerns about that um, over the past few years, is that maybe that's not his thing, especially when coaches tell you that, that they had concerns about that <laughs> when they had Ezekiel Elliott. And so, you know, maybe that creates some of the issues with injuries. But yeah, these guys can still play. The question is with Eckler and Kelsey um, is maybe age-related in terms of, how are they gonna how are they gonna do as as they've taken as much punishment as they have just being NFL players, even healthy ish NFL players. And Pollard, just more from the standpoint of what we just talked about. So yeah, totally feeling it. Right. I'm I'm kinda with you on this. I mean I'm 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 starting to look these are players I'm looking at a little later that are going a little later than they should. Also, like when you first start the best ball thing, you might get auto picked on occasion because you're not in rhythm, not in sync, not like checking your things and you know, like every couple hours guilty and i got pollarded twice that's a new verb in my house i got pollarded i got two auto picks in two different drafts with pollard and i'm thinking oh this is not ideal and then i kind of reflected on go well maybe it's not as horrible as i think it wasn't early people i'll be okay uh, and there were many rounds to recover so that's the great thing you know it's funny I, I i've noticed this like last year a lot and i'm you know i've seen it like this year a little bit like you make a a pick that you don't love early in a draft and you think it's just like going trash this draft's yeah. over and then by the time you get to like around 16 70 you go oh wow i've recovered nicely this isn't so bad yeah uh, so uh hang in there people javante williams is another one of those players i think the value is fantastic and i feel like it's entirely possible uh that last year's less than impressive run was maybe due to the fact he was coming off a horrific knee injury from the season before he was never quite up to full speed the other half of me would like to think Jaleel McLaughlin is going to be more of a thing this year I don't know which one are you feeling which one are you fucking I'm kind of feeling both just not to the extent that McLaughlin's going to be such a big thing but he certainly that possibility is there but I think that they can be a one-two punch in this backfield but let's not if Samaje Pirine isn't a free agent this year I don't remember whether he is or not if he's still around what he did in the receiving game was pretty impressive i think he's one of the league leaders in terms of um yardage after the catch at running back i'm not or something along those lines of like how much he's been gaining per touch um is an impressive level and i think it's higher than most in the league i don't remember the exact metric but it's you know we we know that they have a, a nice trio of backs at this point and i would anticipate that williams is um you know, in that theme of what you talked about with Pollard, Eckler, and, and Kelsey, you know, coming off an ACL tear and it wasn't a, an easy one, you know, he's going to have yeah, three he, ligaments. He needs a year. You know, he needed a year. So we'll see. If And if he doesn't start strong or look good this summer, that may tell you that those three ligaments may never be that surgery on those three ligaments. Maybe he's never going to be quite the same. So, you know, I'm worth, I, I feel it's worth taking him as a value if he's presented as such. I'm double checking on P. Ryan here, and he, yes, he is under contract again for this season. Yeah, so. he's going to be a monkey wrench in that, and that works, I would say, just because as good as he is as a receiver, and he's a he's an absolute tractor as a as a um, you know 
he's Bob Harris's dad as a in between the tackles runner. That's for sure. So. <clears throat> Feel him a dad. Fuck monkey wrenches. Ain't got time for that. <laughs> Not my fantasy team. Uh, Demarcus Robinson uh, remains a Ram. Got a $5 million, $400 million deal with some upside there. A Tremaine Ram. Feeling or fucking his late season run last year. He was he was like money late in the year. Like if you were playing him in DFS, like weeks 13 through 17, you were getting a little return on investment. He was very busy. Kind of supplanted Tutu Atwell, who had getting, been getting the targets prior to that. But he also had a concussion, I think, during that span. Uh, Atwell did as well. But Robinson kind of came on. He's been around a little bit. Are you feeling it? Do, you, do we feel like that late season run is something he can build on? The Rams run three receiver sets like 95% of the time. I would say yes if you keep the expectations to what he did late in late in the season, but maybe tamp it down over yeah, the course of the year. not a touchdown a week. Not a touchdown a week. But I added him in, in a couple of dynasty leagues where I I could start more than three receivers, and, and he was he was money, you know, in leagues like that, for sure, as your, as your fourth receiver who gives you high upside possibilities every week. Certainly liked that. And I think that that's where you value him as a, as a second half of the draft guy who you know has a good rapport with Matt Stafford, who creates extremely well off script. And that's what Robinson is used to with Mahomes. It's just that Matthew Stafford was Mahomes 1.0, just not quite as mobile um, and maybe a little more mistake prone and and maybe not as crazy with the throws that he could make. Um, Well, maybe, no, he's he's pretty close. You know, not the off platform, but but all the, the windows other... yeah the yes. windows he fits into they're like more like little portholes like he could fit them he could probably fit a ball through a porthole and it not touch the sides you know yeah. and the porthole could be smaller than the ball and you'd be sitting there scratching your head wondering how the ball got through there yeah he got that thing yeah, yeah all exactly. right so i'm i'm kind of like demarcus robinson right now in underdog best balls is wide receiver 99 people he's free square he's last pick yeah. last pick of the draft I think for that, I'll be taking, I'll, I'll have a lot of shares of them as that. And if the price goes up, sorry, man, I'll see somebody else uh, down in that 20th round. Uh, <clears throat> Terry McLaurin won't be in the 20th round, but, but uh, like, I wonder what happened to this guy. I talked to Ben Standing from the Athletic over the weekend. Uh, he views McLaurin as a solid wide receiver, too. I'd like to think he's a wide receiver, one, but I can't make a really strong argument. Can you? No, I can't. I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he made it in the league as a solid wide receiver too, based on what I saw pre-draft. Because the the joke about McLaurin for me has always been that you talk about the physics of bumblebees and how, from the standpoint of physics, it's impossible that they should be able to fly. Well, Terry McLaurin with his hands positions catching the football are some of the worst I've seen for a good, a very good NFL wide receiver. So I didn't anticipate that it was going to project well to the NFL. But he, Golden Tate, and Early Doucette are basically the guys that I've seen who can make plays like that with piss-poor hand position. And he does it consistently enough that I think it's a compliment and, and a deserving compliment to say he's a solid wide receiver too. But he's not necessarily that guy who you want winning every type of route and making some of the tough plays. He can make tough plays, but you winning every route with timing and placement where the hands maybe the hands position can get in the way a little bit 
he's just below that and and the physicality isn't he can take physicality but he can't dish it out at that level he's not a great great after the catch option because a lot of the throws that he does have to catch are more contested oriented and more the way that he catches he's not catching in stride as well as he could so these are little things and the things i'm talking about you know you'll see instances where he does all of those things but it's just not consistent enough where you say top 12 wide receiver he you know he's just a little bit below that he's a great number two who could pose as a wide receiver one when you have a bully and you know on the other side what about i asked that about Jahan dawson too and he had he was confounded um and said there were a lot of reasons for explaining the downturn last year uh, to you what is Jahan dawson a very skilled wide receiver three who can give you some wide receiver two numbers in the right offense but i don't know if this is going to be the right offense for him um it's going to depend a lot on the quarterback they get and how they run you know run the show there he certainly has a lot of ability as a route runner um and someone that can be kind of a matchup wide receiver too but i think maybe the enthusiasm about him was a little too a little too well, strong based on his flash. One thing we can count on, he will run out of the same spot every damn snap with Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> so we've got that going for well, us. Yeah, but we had that going for us with Rondale Moore, didn't we? And Andy yeah, Isabella yeah. and uh, a lot saying. of flashy players. I just think Jahan's better than those guys, but I don't know if he's mm. I don't know if necessarily that's gonna help. So the last couple of days the list has been growing. First, it was Caleb Williams. He will go to the combine, but he will not do any workouts. Then Jaden Daniels followed suit and will do the same. Uh, Williams also will not have an agent. Um, Marvin Harrison, I think the same for him as well. But he said today he will not do any workout. In fact, Marvin Harrison says, fuck it, I'm not doing any of your damn workouts. I'm getting ready to play football and not do drills. So there will be no pro day. There will be no combine workouts. They're not a damn thing. You're just going to draft me and like it. Uh, where are we at on pro days, combine workouts, you know, I mean, is there anything, is there, are these players like wrong for doing this or are they right? They're right. They're absolutely right. Now that may feel wrong to say as NFL media, but I'm not one of the game show hosts going to the combine and I don't I'm mean not that as a pejorative thing. Yes, I mean, you do. Well, maybe I do a little bit, but <laughs> I res- there's a lot of game show hosts I respect out there because they're there to entertain and they're there to right, inform right, and right. the common, de- you know, the high, lowest common denominator, the broadest audience, they're there for that. We're not here for that necessarily, um, though we like you when you come. But it's but you know the thing <clears throat> is is that the combine function for NFL teams, the best it's for is for players that they haven't seen enough film on who are maybe lower level players or players that they have questions about athletic ability because the tape may not show as accurately or as clearly as what they'd like to see. And and as well, they want to look at, they want to do interviews. And there are certain measurements that can be valuable uh, as a layer of information, but they're, but they're not end all be all. And, and you're going to see huge overreactions to a lot of that coming up soon especially when you consider someone like again brandon angela last year we the reason we probably started our show is i had him on and we and he is an athletic performance he basically trains athletes and he was a track athlete at purdue 
an all-freshman. He raced Tyree Kill and got spanked by Tyree Kill along with everybody else in that field, but he was a running back and a, and a track athlete. And he's familiar with the equipment that the NFL Combine uses. And let me just say, you know, you can listen to that podcast. I'll post it on X again today but from last year. But you look at it, and those, those measurements aren't always very accurate. In fact, they're very frequently not nearly as accurate as they're made out to be. Um, because the the machines aren't always used as are calibrated very well they're not always as reliable the brands of machines that are used um that there's a variety of things and there's a lot of gaming of the system going on with a lot of this so while it can be helpful to look at these times most a lot of the time and compare it to what you see to the film it's not going to be as accurate as you think and then on top of that when you talk about pro days especially for quarterbacks it's scripted this is all scripted stuff i mean we've talked i've told people about this in the past but you can go to sports illustrated and read this i've heard the same i've heard the same thing from the parties involved with this but the rams at one time were so gaga over alex smith because Gil Brandt, the late Gil Brandt, said that Alex Smith's pro day was the best he saw since Troy Aikman. And they and literally the Rams president of operations came down to the scouting um, offices with a videotape and said, hey guys, I know you've scouted these guys for, scouted Alex Smith and compl completed your report, but I need you guys to throw these out and look at this tape. <laughs> And they put in the he put in the tape and it was literally a 20 highlight video. It was a YouTube highlight video before YouTube. Okay? Like, you know, California with a K or just bombs. It was probably like, you know, their daddy was like producing this, you know? And it's just hit clip of all the best plays Alex Smith made, which were 20 of them. And the scouts are like, We're not doing this. And they're like, Why are you not being cooperative? This is what we want you to do. We don't think you have enough information. He goes, so you don't think we have enough information because we've spent two years scouting every game. We've got this, I've got this guy rated below Jeff Smoker. One of the guys, one of the scouts said this, and he's a fourth round value in our, in our draft and arguments ensued. They nearly got in a fist fight and had to be separated. You know, Russ Landy validated that the um i don't remember the other scout who was interviewed by andrew silverman and you know back in the day but i talked with him and he told me that same story in similar light just know that scripted stuff that's what gets zach wilson elevated to qb1 you know that's what gets mitchell trubisky elevated above patrick mahomes that's what it's it's really a dog and pony show at this point it's great tv the fans have fallen for it. The the NFL loves it because it gets them ratings all year long and keeps the news cycle going on. But really, the Combine's about the interviews more than anything else. And I think that that's something that's important for us to remember. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the NFL Combine, I think that we need to realize that overall i just want to see where bob bob left because he got tired of me talking about this thing but he'll come back on in a minute so i'm going to keep an eye on on him here but uh you know when it comes to these events they're more valuable for small school players than they are for you know guys who are you know 
I would say big names. So like for Marvin Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of those guys that he's done all that he needs to do. And a lot of times with the combine, people feel like they have to lose weight so that they're quicker or faster to have a good showing in the 40, when that's not really the element of their game that needs to be the case. So gaming the system with workouts is another facet that that really some players who are already this high up on the board don't really have time for. They're more dedicated to improving their actual skills. And I know some people say, well, they've made this the for wide receivers, they've made the skill sets more, you know, apparent with, you know, what's that drill where they, they're shooting balls in every direction and the receivers, right. you know, okay, I'm sorry, but until we change the rules of football to where you have to catch five balls running across the middle of the field to do that, it's stupid. Now, if you want to, it's 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 fun. It's like a family feud game show with Steve Harvey now. That's great. You know, we get a little more flavor to it, you know, but it's not really, you're asking them to do different things that, that really don't make sense to me. And, yeah. you know, it, it takes one element of it and exaggerates it beyond what's important. And now you're, you're taking their time away from things that they should actually be doing. Right. I think so for someone who doesn't watch any college football, for me, a lot of times it's kind of, and I won't watch this year. I'm going to be on vacation. I won't see any of it. And I don't think I'm missing out that much because I read the rookie scouting portfolio. So I feel like I'm like, have as much knowledge about these players as I need to have. Certainly a volume greater than I'm going to learn watching the scouting combine. But but I will say this for the combine. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. And sometimes it's my first chance to lay eyes on a player. And I can, yeah. I can, because I don't watch a lot of college. So I can remember, you know, over the years, a handful of players who really stood out to me, like uh, Vincent Jackson, the late Vincent Jackson, watching him at the combine, I went, oh my God, he's big. Oh, wow. Look, he's fast. Oh, wow. Look, he can catch footballs. I mean, it, it just, he wasn't on my radar. And so that put him on my radar. And, and so, I think those are the kind of things I'm looking for. I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I would be, I would call them a liar. I will do that. I don't call people liars. But if a team tells me they changed their mind about somebody based on what happens at the scouting combine, I'm going to call nonsense. That's just not true. They already know everything they need to know. And they're just there to see, put them through paces and make them jump through hoops to make sure they jump through hoops. For the most so, part, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's, you know, and I understand the mindset for why they're doing it, but there's better ways to go about doing it if it wasn't about entertainment. Yeah, I like the I like the whole, you know, Marvin Harrison is making no excuses. I'm going to work out to play football. Yeah. Not, and, and your point is true. These guys, the effort that goes into honing your physical abilities for the 40-yard dash and the three-cone drill and the shuttle runs and all those things, fantastic, but you're not doing any of those things yeah. or many of those things yeah. when you're in a game. If you need to, you know, look, yes, the the, the three-cone drill and the shuttle, you got to learn how to drop your weight well and your footwork in a certain way, but you can be, you should be working on that anyway. Would it be fair to say that maybe someone who's off the radar or something could maybe catch some attention? Yes. Like, I mean, I mean, I think that's more what I would be hoping for if I was a prospect who I maybe I thought I was a third-day guy or a guy that was more likely to be, you know, uh, on the verge of being an undrafted yeah. free agent, which at that point is probably the desirable outcome if you're, you know, if you're a third-day draft pick. A, a good example of two players <laughs> who one invited and one not invited are two running backs this year. Oregon State's Deshaun Fenwick, who I would joke is like a, a Leonard Fournette starter kit who 
maybe is missing a few important pieces, um, who is big, fast, big and out of South Carolina, but we don't know how fast he, maybe they don't know how fast he truly is or explosive he truly is, and they want to get a better feel for that. They want to have him, and they want to bring him into interview and things like that, so they want to see a little bit more about him. A player who didn't get invited, who, you know, and, and as Chad Ryder pointed out to me yesterday, you know, there were three third-round players that weren't invited to the combine last year. So it's not like they always get it right with who they invite. Um, Blake Watson, the Memphis running back, who I think is a Giovanni Bernard, he's not a starter kit. He possibly could aspire to become a Gio Bernard in a in an era where Gio Bernard would actually be valued. Um, you know, because Gio Bernard, to me, valued is actually closer to Austin Eckler than may, people may want to think. Um, and I think... Like Watson's that type of guy, but he's not invited. Um, and maybe that's because they know what they've seen with him. But as Chad mentioned, a lot of teams put in a request list of who they'd like to see. And if five teams only wanted to see Blake Watson, um, maybe he's left off the list, whereas maybe 10 teams wanted to see Fenwick. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. I mean, uh, you, and again, I'll, you know, I'll pay attention to the numbers and I'll watch my X machine go off yeah. the, I mean, boy, so much, so much on the X at this time of year that yeah. it's so mean. I mean, like so much of this, I guess that's part of it is like, I'm a busy man. I like to work on things that seem like you can work on them. Said the guy who drafts and mock drafts in February. and uh, But that's meaningful and that's your priority. Now, for me, it is. I, right. I'll make a suggestion for those who are on X or want to check out X during this time and not just want to look at the slot machine of crazy craziness that's going to happen. Follow Kent Lee Platt. K-E-N-T-L-E-E-P-L-A-T-T-E. He does RAS scores, relative athletic scores, and he has created a little, little like um, visual that he puts on Twitter that shows you all the scores when they're done, and shows you what the relative athletic score is based on those things, and then he gives you like percentiles of where these guys fit in the history of this event um, and other relative athletic scores, and it gives you a really good idea of kind of where they work and relative athletic score has some value i think that you know as long as you are um taking with a grain of salt that the film should probably trump the the the, the measurements in this you know experimental lab that's in indianapolis that has some maybe doesn't have as many controls as it should have well we're we're big on metrics so let me two-parter to close this out. Is there is there a metric that's predictive of quarterback success at the combine? And building on that, are there any metrics predictive of quarterback success at the next level? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say there are layers of metrics that are important, like hand size. You want to be able to grip the ball. Now, maybe the amount, the 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 width or length of the hand isn't at some of the values that people ascribe to it aren't as valuable as as they like there's a minimum and that minimum may be smaller than people realize like jared goff jared goff had much to do about that and joe burrow would like you to know that his tiny hands will not keep him from succeeding exactly so i think that you have to understand that you know 
tiny is relative i guess depending on what you, you know on the team that wants him and we could probably make more jokes about that if we wanted to but uh but yeah the 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 minimums aren't as you know or maybe more minimal than what we realize i would say that the processing score from s2 is a great idea in theory um that still needs time to be worked out and people are people are banging on it now because of cj stroud and i would say that the same people who were banging on it were probably also um burying cj stroud this time last year um which would both were equally unfair give it a little time we'll figure it and maybe the s2 people will realize that they don't have all the answers right away because they did kind of approach it that way um and were kind of stubborn about their application of the test and be open to the idea that maybe how it's applied could have more value than what their their rigid thing they're kind of like coming out with a, it's like they came out with a pharmaceutical and say nope it has no side effects yeah. nope it's it's perfectly it's perfectly reasonable because we've tested a couple of rats and a monkey you know un unfortunately according to every pharmaceutical commercial i've ever seen that's yeah. not true everything they sell you will kill you pretty much and they know that and, well <laughs> we can go into that about you know the studies have shown that they know that they'll they'd rather pay the fda's fine that's going to be light compared to their profits um you know than actually um test it out well beforehand before they inflict damage on people but um that's another story but i think that that's the kind of thing where we look at at quarterback information and there's too many variables there are too many different types of quarterbacks who've succeeded in terms of physical in terms of size arm strength style of play um you know how they read the field how they move or manage in the pocket there's way too many variable leadership skill you know all of that's very different steve mcnair and tom brady are extremely different players and both were mvps Drew Brees and Josh Allen, extremely different players. You know, Jalen Hurts and and Kirk Cousins, both effective, but you wouldn't you wouldn't confuse the two in any way, shape, or form as quarterbacks. So you look at that, and you have to understand that a metric needs to have something that has those common denominators, and there's very few that do. So I would say you know, hand size is worthwhile. Um, other than that, I would say the best metric is tracking catchable um, accuracy and pinpoint accuracy that you can derive from charting plays. <clears throat> you know, I would say that would be a good predictor of success in the NFL. But that's, but again, you're back to film. So. According to uh, my high school grades, solving multivariable equations is impossible. So, uh, so you kind of got to let it play out a little bit. And yeah. uh, like, we like to do it in the interim. We like to figure things out and sort things out. We'll continue to do that here. You should go to mattwaldman.com and order up the rookie scouting portfolio, the true way to figure out what these rookies are and how you should value them. And then on into the season, get the dynasty rankings and all that good stuff. Uh, cause it's fantastic. And we should follow, you should follow Bob Harris at football guys, footballguys.com. He's got these notebooks that are pretty damn good that are mm. coming out on Sundays and more to come by email, a lot more to come. You know, this guy, ain't, this guy ain't remotely through. So, mm. you know, he's just beginning. Oh, not dead. About, do you feel like you're just beginning? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I do. Yeah. Um, I have to, I have to say it's exciting and energizing and, uh, 
a lot of fun. And so uh, looking forward to all that and all that's to come. Uh, that's all for now, people. I will be gone next Monday. Matt will try to Wally bit me once again, and he will fall short. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I will try to climb the mountain like Sisyphus anyway. <laughs> I love Sisyphus. He's a good dude. Uh, I will be back the 11th. So uh, see you then, people. Uh, adios, Matt. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Enjoy. <laughs>